Well, hello, and welcome to your new favorite podcast, The Local Woman. Uh, I am Sierra, and I am the host of that podcast, and I am so excited today to be joined on the show by someone I've known for quite a while. I'd say one of my longest friends, Miss Louise Warren. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sierra. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I am, too, that you're, oh, excuse me, I am excited that you are here as well, and I'm so excited kind of to talk about what you've been doing. Um, I know that you, of course, you are a Macon native, as am I, and so that's where we got an opportunity to connect many, many, many years ago. One of my first trick-or-treat experiences was actually with you and your family, and one of my first Aww. sleepovers. It was the oh premiere of the episode of Lizzie McGuire. I don't know if you remember this. But it was oh the, my gosh. <laughs> it was the premiere episode and Lizzie invited us over for a sleepover. So it was one of my first, uh, one of the, a very wonderful experience from my childhood. And so I'm so excited to have you here today. That's appropriate that my sister Lizzie invited you to go watch Lizzie McGuire. Oh, I like, know, I right? I just want to take a moment to appreciate that. <laughs> um, I'm so I, glad I just mentioned. remember... Yeah, yeah. I just remember so many good times with you, Sierra. Like, honestly, I just, I always told Lizzie that you were one of my favorites and to keep inviting you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. And I appreciate you all for continuing to have me. It truly made uh, some wonderful moments in my childhood. And I'm so excited that we can transition our childhood to this moment that we're having today in our adulthood where I get to feature you on this podcast and talk a little bit about your music, which is really the thing that I knew about you most was that you were a musician. But uh, when I was preparing for this, of course, I also learned that you were a creativity coach as well. So I'm excited to share that aspect of your work with the people as well. But I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about who or what inspired you to start making music. Well, as a kid, I really loved singing and I was always a little shy about it, but I would go... um, at our elementary school and I'd sit on the swing (laughs) and I just sing constantly. It was just my self-soothing and I started writing um, quite by accident doing that. And I think that my mom kind of planted that seed because she used to run out of lullabies when she was singing to me um, as a kid. And then she just makes them up. And that was something that really just, I think, planted a seed for me um, in learning how to write because there was never any judgment around that I just kind of saw somebody else doing that who was an adult who I loved and <laughs> loved being around <laughs> and it made it just seem such such a normal thing but my my family both my mom and my dad were very into music and I honestly didn't even touch top 40 until I was probably midway through elementary school because we played oldies so much in the car oh my god well, what's one of your favorite oldies songs Oh my gosh, which one isn't? (laughs) (laughs) I love everything. Like, the Supremes can just sing to me all day. I mean, come on now. That's classic. Absolutely. Um, the that one right there? Yeah. Okay, yes. Okay. Great, great. Oh, a huge fan. Huge fan. (laughs) Yes, Sierra, get it. Hey, hey, you know, (laughs) we're here to highlight your music. (laughs) You're so funny. (laughs) You're hired. You're going to be my new backup. So ready. I'm so ready, Louise. I'll be there. I'll be there next week. I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> yes. But I didn't mean to interrupt you uh, as no, you were talking about that's... it, but I love that you're talking about your family really being who's kind of inspired your music. Yeah, I just think that we always had an appreciation for art because my mom runs an art gallery with her family. And my dad was uh, a huge music lover and really yes. got back into it 
um, when I started playing guitar, he picked up his guitar again. And we just had that love that we just shared that way. We didn't always do it together. It wasn't like um, group sing-alongs or anything like that. It was just like a, a group appreciation for anything that was art. Wonderful. And you did say that your mom actually runs an art gallery. Would you tell us she a little does. more about that as well? Sure. It's Old Mulkey Arts. It's on Ingleside Avenue. Um, and she started it with her family. So it's a family business. Uh, she now runs it with her sister um, and my grandmother still to this day. And they've been open since the 70s, which is pretty remarkable. Oh, that's uh, just wonderful. How long they've been here. Oh, so yeah, you've had- actually come from another original local woman. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Three of them who have been really strong examples of entrepreneurship and putting yourself out there and doing something a little bit different. And my dad, um, as an attorney, too, ran his own practice. So I just was around a lot of people who were doing their own thing. And I loved that. Great. Well, I would love to know a little bit more about the type of music that you typically create. Um, Of course, I've been preparing for the show by listening to your music. And (laughs) uh, one thing that I really loved about it was like the jazzy tones in your music. I love that. Mm. Oh, I'm so happy you picked up on that. Not many people um, really, really approach me about that Mm. because it is kind of an undertone, I would say. But my dad loves jazz music yes and I kind of feel like even if it wasn't something that I personally was listening to as much as people in my household Mm -hmm. um if they were playing it and it was kind of going into my subconscious like my brother um he went through a phase where he was listening to a lot of Bollywood music yes yes and my melodies just started taking on a more experimental (laughs) approach with that and I started using more of my range so we've kind of had this family joke for a while um, that I just absorb it. So if they're playing it around me, I kind of absorb it. And that's definitely my, was my dad's favorite. Oh, for wonderful. sure. He loved jazz. Wonderful. I actually, um, when it comes to jazz music, um, I believe that most people are always thinking of like big band music mm-hmm. and, you know, but it's also like the sultry feel of the voices yes. and um, the, I don't know. The melodic tones that come with jazz music are really what's uh, what's always make it made it enjoyable for me. Like it's the kind of music I listen to when I'm going to sleep. Something oh, calming, yeah. just to really bring me down. You know, just down to a place of calm, not like in a bad place, but in a calming place. And that's how yeah, your music feels to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I I think that the singers that I love um, always have that aspect to their voices. Like I'm a big Nora Jones fan. Oh gosh. Um, I grew up just loving soul singers. I, I would do anything to open my mouth and sound like Aretha Franklin, like <laughs> anything. Um, Girl, you and me both, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I just, I love soul singers. And, um, locally I respect people like Charles Davis. Cause every time he sings, yes. I'm just like, good God, why? Uh, it's why? A phenomenal, <laughs> a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal yeah, talent. Yeah. Yes, and I drew a lot from that, and I do what I can with my voice uh, to to just channel some of those those kind of similar influences in the way that I can do it. So, my my family always said that they heard Linda Ronstadt in there, mm. um, but I I really don't know exactly where it comes from. I think it was kind of like through osmosis that I I picked up on this nineteen uh, forties jazz esque thing that I'm leaning towards because yes. in my recording. I'm very much trying to go for like an indie alternative sound. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, hear so you. I think that it's, it's a lot of different influences. Um, in my writing, I think I focus a lot on lyrics, like the folk traditional music that I grew up listening to as well. 
Um, but I always, always, always at the center of it for me tends to be a focus on melody. I'm just melody obsessed, oh, absolutely that. obsessed with it. I believe that that's, that's really what makes music pleasing to the ear, though, is it's a focus on that that really lets people hone in on what they kind of enjoy hearing. Um, and mm, yeah. I, I believe that, that that's what the melody is all about for me. Uh, has been That's the thing that creates the sound that people want to hear. Oh, yeah. And it's something that can communicate it without ever even speaking the same language. You know, I, I listen to a lot of French music and I I know what the singer is telling me, <laughs> even though I don't speak a lick of French. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just the tones and the music you can tell. Yeah, they're emoting through those melodies. And I think that for me, being a naturally very shy person, um, that was a huge part of uh, music for me and feeling like I could communicate better because I didn't even have to find the words. I could just find the right notes. And that would do it all for me. I love that. I love that. And I believe that that's something a lot of our listeners will connect with. But I'd love to kind of talk more about uh, your writing. You mentioned that previously, that you were kind of drawn to more folk-type writing as far as your music. But I'd love to hear more about your creative process. Sure. Um, Well, it definitely changes (laughs) over time. I've noticed there's uh, funny patterns that kind of pop up with each each phase that I'm in. And for many years now, it's been very guitar driven. Um, I usually sit down with my guitar and I strum a couple chords and I kind of just feel into a melody first and then um, kind of intuit whatever lyrics are coming up for me. It's very unplanned. It's very intuitive way of writing. Sure. Um, But this past year, I definitely have noticed myself going back to how I used to write when I was a kid, which is just, very whimsical and not <laughs> even more not planned. <laughs> so it's just like sitting down and humming and um, kind of letting the melody and lyrics pour out together with no instrument at all. And that's been a really good, simple way of creating again, because I think that sometimes we get in a rut with Absolutely. anything. You in life feel unrestricted. We're not it seems like yeah, you're very unrestricted I, in your writing process. Yeah. And I think that in, um, in the beginning, taking up the guitar was that for me. And I think that a lot of what I've learned about creativity is just pivoting. It's just pivoting um, to introduce a new element and then letting yourself play with that and see where it goes. Like there's no real harm if it doesn't work out. You just pivot again and try something new. Absolutely. I like that. I believe that's something that people could also carry into their everyday lives about being yeah. uh, a, about persevering through things. Um, I believe yeah. that the creative process is more about perseverance than it often is about um, the absolute um, absolute things being absolute or things being concrete or things always being perfect. I believe we're always kind of searching for perfection, but I believe that mm-hmm. the majority of the process is usually about the journey, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, and fluidity and play. And I think that especially as adults, we don't play enough. We don't allow that for ourselves. We think we always kind of have to be productive and planned and, um, you know, focused on, on something. Or, you know, a lot of the time when I work with any kind of adult client who wants to learn how to songwrite specifically or write in any way, um, the first block that they hit is that they think they have to sit down and map it out like a paper Mm. for school. And I think that a lot of the work is just encouraging yourself to have a safe space 
and then letting yourself unravel a bit. Because we all did that as a kid, as kids, like we, we would just sit there and come up with silly songs or we'll do that when we're out drinking with a friend, <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with a song or we'll Absolutely. come up with something silly. And it's so natural and fun and easy that we don't think, oh, this is creativity. I'm creating something. Yes. But that is what it is. It is. And that is something that I believe that some of, and we mentioned this a little bit in Aaron's episode where we talked about like teachers and important people in children's lives, identifying those things early to hone in on those creative skills and better allow children uh, to express themselves in that manner. Yeah. And I was very fortunate in that, you know, I had a lot of people around me who uh, called out my creativity, so Mm -hmm. to speak. They said, they named it. They said, Oh, she's a great singer. Look at her writing like she can do this. And those people are still people in my in my head today that when I have a really bad day, I go back and I'm like, oh, but, you know, this teacher believed in me or my mom has said this about my music before or this friend has comforted me in this way when I don't believe in myself. And I think um, you can never really underestimate encouraging that aspect of yourself. Like you can never really underestimate the people who do that but also you can never underestimate the power of doing it for yourself too absolutely absolutely so well put louise so well put thank you (laughs) that was so well put well i'd like to ask you a little bit more about you've mentioned in the our last uh little segment about how um what inspires you or people who've inspired you and positive things that have happened well who are some people that you would like to collaborate with other artists that inspire you Oh my gosh, there's so many, Sierra. Um, <laughs> but I think right now, like the ones that bubble up a lot are Fiona Apple because she just put out a really great album this past year. And she has that jazzy tone to her voice. Just Absolutely. Like epic creativity. Like her, her music is like, just another level to me. I don't I think I'll ever get over paper bag. I'll never get over that. No, song. me it's, either. I'm still singing it. To this day, I'd be like, hunger hurts. You know, like it's just like, I just, uh, everything about that song is so good. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that would also be yes. a wonderful match for your voice as well. Oh, well, thank you. I think it would be really cool too to do something with Lizzo if I'm ever cool enough to do that. You're already <laughs> cool enough, and Lizzo's on the way. <laughs> I just love her. I love her energy. I love how empowering she is with people. Um, another one that I would just die of happiness if I could write with is Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys. Oh, um, He is just one of the best lyricists, I think, out there right now in, in modern culture. And it's just kind of, it would just be interesting to just workshop with these people. <laughs> like, can I just be a fly on the wall as you do your thing? <laughs> Oh, well, now, so cool. well uh, now that we know about people who you'd love to collaborate, I'd like to know whose songs are you singing? Because whenever I think of an artist, I'm always like, are you singing your own songs? Like if you're in the shower, what Ooh. songs are you singing? Oh my gosh. I do actually sing my own songs in the shower. Oh, because I like a lot it. Of, <laughs> a lot of what I'm doing when I do that is I'm editing. And oh. So the thing is, like, I'll write a song in a session, like sitting down on my guitar or just sitting there in front of a piece of paper. But then I, I want to workshop it a bit. So I'll sing it over and over. And if something mm-hmm. feels cheesy or off, I'm like, OK, I need to go back to that because I just can't say. Okay. But, um, but I do a lot of thinking that way, too. Like, I think when I'm walking or when I'm in the shower or when I'm moving or traveling and I'm not 
having to drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little easier to sit there and kind of like take notes about it. Um, but I, I don't sing a ton in the showers. Just usually when I'm working my, on my own stuff, which sounds a little, you know, like oh, I'm just singing my stuff. But well, no, um, but I, I assume also as a um, as an artist, you you probably save your voice better than the average person. Like I get in the shower and I sing at level twenty because here I am and this is my <laughs> first and last performance of the day. Like you know, this is one of many. You know, if you were singing in the shower every time, that's one of many performances you may have. And let's just say you go to hit that high note in the shower and suddenly, you know. Uh, it's it's a, it's an instrument like any other instrument, and I'd <laughs> assume that you'd want to save it, if shall we say, right? You're reminding me though of a very funny story from my childhood, um, where <laughs> <Please tell> I was <laughs> I was about 13 years old, um, and I was in the shower, and I was trying my hardest because I told you previously I love soul singers, so yes. I was trying to sing a Christina Aguilera song. Oh my god! Because that was my middle school. <laughs> And I was just obsessed with her voice. And I don't sound like her at all. So you can just imagine what this probably sound like coming from my bathroom. Um, And my dad had on headphones um, because he was trying to work on something. And he said that through the headphones, he could still hear (laughs) absolutely everything. And he he had to, like, uh, get earplugs whenever he was focused on something and wanted to work. And I was singing in the shower. So I think. (laughs) Do you happen to remember this Christina Aguilera hit that you were rocking out in the shower? (laughs) (laughs) It was probably from the Stripped album because I was just obsessed with that entire thing. It's probably the entire album, actually, Sierra, (laughs) if I'm being honest. That Uh, was my karaoke machine uh burnout cd for sure but to like, this I day would, i would sing genie in a bottle like it was a brand oh new God. song just like it was br- and you yes. know what the song from mulan too that's also one of my favorite christina aguilera hits the reflections oh she killed that yes she killed that. She oh killed i that. loved it and i tried so hard to go for that high seat oh like- <laughs> that's glass shattering that is glass shattering <laughs> like it is but i mean but it's one of those things again if you're trying that in the shower how are you going to do it on stage? You've just got to either do it or not do it, right? <laughs> oh I, I honestly think that is that is very true, though. Now that I think about it, I do think that when I'm nervous about singing somebody else's song, mm-hmm. that's, that's usually when I'm practicing it. Um, I've done some showcase stuff before where I was singing an Adele song, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, the pressure is on oh, because her voice on. is just so beautiful, and she makes it seem so easy to do everything that she does. So it's like... When I'm nervous about a performance, I think that's when I'm usually doing that. But right now, there aren't really a lot of performances going yeah. on with 2020. Well, <laughs> this year, I so. say, uh, well, you know, let's let's kind of throw it back a little bit. Let's just say it was sure. 2019. Things are great. Mm-hmm. The you know the bars are open, the liquor's flowing, and people are there to hear you. Where are some places that you have performed, and what are some of your favorite be- venues? Oh my gosh. I've been fortunate enough to play at some really good ones. I would say um, my favorites in Georgia for sure are the 40 watt. I kind of had a a crazy experience um, getting into a situation where I got to play there where they posted something. They're like, Hey, we need to fill a date. Does anybody want to do this? And you know, I was lurking, waiting for something like this to happen in my life. So it was just a sheer act of willpower that got me into, <laughs> into that venue. But it was a bucket list item because I remember going and seeing shows there and wow. seeing Arctic Monkeys there, actually. So oh. it was a big deal to me. 
um, to be able to be on the other end of it. I often have those moments where I'm like watching somebody play and I just will close my eyes for a few beats and just try to imagine what it's like on their end and on the stage. And it's really cool when I get to, to flip it and be there and actually try a stage out. Um, I would say locally, I really love this place called Local 1110. It's a restaurant. Okay. And they have a rooftop bar. So I've gotten to play on that rooftop. And it was just an amazing atmosphere and just really laid back. And um, a great view because it's right across the street from Versailles Park. Oh. Um, so it's just really, really gorgeous. And this is located in Savannah, correct? Yep, that's in Savannah. Wonderful. Um, and in Macon Hargrave, I just, that stage just is so comfortable. Oh, yes. And um, that is the capital, correct? Right. I'm not. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to call it Hargrave now. I've gotten so used to calling it um, the capital as well. As but. you can see, I've refused to change the name. I'm just like, I'm just like <laughs> it's almost like people are like, where are you going? The new mall. Not. Shops at River Crossing, like you know, you, I can't do it. No, yeah, the local the names too. stick more than anything, right? They really do. <laughs> <laughs> That's relatable. But I actually also enjoyed the cap, or excuse me, Hargrave Capital Theaters as a, uh, mm-hmm. or the Hargrave Capital Theater, excuse me, as um as a venue as well. I, I believe I've as far as venues in making, it's definitely one of my favorites. It's like the perfect combination of intimate and large music venue to me like it just feels like it's both at the same time and um it feels that way as a listener and it feels that way on the stage too and that's a really unique experience I imagine you find that everywhere I imagine because I believe that like for if you were at this particular venue that we're discussing there's actually a whole dance floor and then there's like a seated area around it but I believe it's all a very engaging atmosphere for artists and um for artist and listener, shall we say? Yeah, and they give you options too with the seating. Like I've always loved that you could pick balcony and, and be chill mm-hmm. and just kind of soak it all in, or you can be right on the dance floor, like <laughs> tearing it up. Which I I've done both. It just depends on my mood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tear it up with the best of them. Do my dorky dancing for everybody. <laughs> well, now that you're not able to perform in some of these venues that we discussed and really be face to face with people in the same way, how do you feel that the Internet and social media have impacted uh, music this year? They've really uh, how do you feel that that's gone? I think it's actually just been a lifeline for a lot of us because we're not able to do it the same way. Um, and I think in general, it always kind of tear down the gatekeepers and let people select who they want to hear when they want to hear them. Um, whereas in the past, a lot of the time you have to go through so many people um, before it ever reached the listener. Now the listener can have a direct experience with people. And I think that that can be good. It also can be um, overwhelming sometimes. Like I, I have this desire sometimes where I want to connect all the time and share everything that I'm working on and doing. And then I have moments where I, very much genuinely need to go into a creative cave and not share anything and not uh, put it out there just yet. So I think it makes it more direct for better or for worse, you know? So we're getting, we're getting of the minute creations. And I think that there's something really beautiful about witnessing people as they're developing. And that's often something in like an old model of music and the music business, they would workshop an artist for probably a year or two even. 
before you'd ever even hear who, of who they were or you'd ever connect to them in any way. And I think it's just helped us indies out, man. Like <laughs> you can, you can just be who you are and connect with people and find somebody who's, who's into that. Well, I'm hoping that we actually are able to have some people find you through the show. And since we've been talking that. about your music, I'd like to play one of your songs. So last sure. year, you released your EP uh, titled Surrender. And this is the title song off of Surrender. And I'm going to play a little clip for our, our audience. I am party. on the other end okay so before okay so we were programming in your music uh so that i could just tap it and it could play on the show thank you so much tarver as always our technicians coming through for us yes and so he had it so we could just cue it up and keep going and he started he was like yes and we were just singing and it's a feel-good song but it has oh. a great message too, Louise. Tell us a little bit about what inspired your new uh, CD, Surrender. Yes, <laughs> so much, honestly, because <laughs> the three songs that are on this EP are all three very different and talk about different topics, but there is a common thread. And it's just appreciating love and just letting go within that love, no matter what form it's taking. So, like, the first song um, is about my time volunteering at the children's hospital as a musician with songs for kids that would go in and sing to, you know, all the patients there. And I just met so many people, so many different people doing this in many different circumstances. And they just took my breath away with how hopeful they were and how strong they were. And I was just, it was kind of um, love through being awestruck with someone's ability to make the most out of a hard situation. Um, this this track that you just heard uh, was more of a direct form of love <laughs> <laughs> where you are just getting wrapped up in a person for the very first time and you're just letting go and just choosing to surrender to the moment even though you know this person has the power to hurt you um, and has the power to just completely like wreck your heart if it doesn't work out. But oh, you're Louise, just appreciating Louise. the moment. I think we all can relate to that. Oh, um, I, I think a lot of people can. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that one's just like absolute full on um, present 
romantic Louise mode. <laughs> that's that's what's going on in my head when I'm falling for somebody. Yes. Um, <laughs> and the very last track on this EP is called Reach, and it's about the other end of love, which I think is um, grief. When you lose somebody, when you can't have them there, um, mm. you know, they say that's very much a sign of how much you love them. And, you know, I lost my dad a few years back and this song is just completely for him and my love for him and um, how much he did in my life and how much I realized he did when I had to be without him. And I think that grieving taught me a lot about surrender because we don't get to control what happens in our lives, but we do get to control how we respond to it. And that experience that I had with grief kind of woke me up to what I wanted to do in my life. And it was the reason that I put out my first album, Lavender Sound, because I just decided I was putting it off because I was afraid. And I think grief has this way of kind of revving you up and making you decide to just take life, you know, by, by the reins and truly appreciate it in a new way. And it was a weird way to learn that because you'd expect, not to learn it that way. You'd expect it to, you know, happy lessons to be learned through happy experiences. But I think oftentimes we learn things in the way that we um, least expect. <laughs> and it was definitely not something that I ever expected to happen in my life. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I learned how to accept where I was with it and move forward in a way that I know he would be proud of and that I am proud of looking back on that time. I love it, Louise, and I also love the vulnerability of your music and you being Thank willing you. to share that with your listeners. Um, because I, I, I can't imagine um, going through that experiences, and of course, our deepest condolences, but also uh, some great memories with your father. Your father uh, was just that type of kind, genteel man. When you met him, he never met a stranger. Um, he mm-hmm. was always. I remember any show that I came to for you, Louise. Your dad was front yeah. row, right there, yes. cheering you on, and also carrying your instrument when it was over. And I know yeah. it, it was. I was spoiled. I really was. And honestly, I still feel spoiled with the people around me. And I, um, I definitely, I definitely got lucky in the dad department for sure. He was definitely an encourager of this. And I know there are a lot of people who don't have that person in their lives. Mm. That's kind of pushing them and encouraging them to continuously put themselves out there. And as a shy kid growing up, like having my parents have my back with this was a huge deal like he would be the person who would tell me go talk to people like they liked it like yes. go go converse with them and I'm like are you sure and he'd be like, go <laughs> talk to them um so I think you know in my coaching I hope that I can be that for a person who doesn't have that in a family structure and I found that through friendships I found that through a lot of other types of relationships too so I think that the beautiful takeaway from that is just how impactful that support can be on an artist. Yes. And the mentorship in every episode, in every episode that just keeps coming up, the the importance of having someone there who just believes in you, that starting step, that starting step. Yeah. And I think that they kind of um, encourage you to believe in yourself too. Like I think um, that's, that's a hard thing for us is, as people because we see everything that goes on in our lives and in our internal selves, we see it all. And we think that that humanity somehow makes us 
unlovable or not good enough, but that's the very thing that people connect to because we're all human. We all have that thread um, in us where we are just part of this bigger family of humanity. And when somebody shares something that's vulnerable and hard for them, we have, you know, that me too moment. We have that moment where we can look at that and go, Oh my gosh, somebody else feels this way. <laughs> somebody else has gone through this crap. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> it makes us feel seen. Well, it's easy to feel like you're alone in every aspect of your life. And almost, I believe when you're sad, there's a part of you that needs to believe that you're alone. So you can almost, uh, so you can uh, wallow in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you want to be there <laughs> because you're upset and you're, and you want everybody to feel it the same way you do, you know, whatever you're yeah. going through in your life, that's really weighing on you. I don't believe like grief falls into that same category, but I certainly do believe the day to day life where you're just like, I don't think, I don't think anybody, no one's ever been cut off in traffic. Like I get cut off in traffic, <laughs> like ever. It's never happened to anybody like this. I think it's just me. That's the third squirrel I've seen today. It's a conspiracy. Like, you know what I mean? You start to, to think that way but you have to have these things that you you can really focus and move past to kind of help you help you stay focused that that positivity that is so I think it's annoying to even hear people say be positive but it's yeah it's essential it's essential yeah and I think that when we um when we are isolated, it's easier for those things to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really hard to wallow when someone has your back. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like, okay, it's so okay. Hard. Yeah. Someone's like, I've been there too. You're like, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. Well, <laughs> if you've been there, that means I have to think about it in my brain. Like, it's just like, I don't want to do that. I just want to be here, you know, but. And I break down too when like I'm wallowing and somebody <laughs> is like having my back. I'm like, no, leave me alone. I'm, leave I'm, me. I'm wallowing right now. I'm all alone. I'm all alone. Four people around you, patting you, telling you're going to be, I'm all alone. I am all alone. But you know what? This actually leads me to our next, well, really the next part of our conversation, which is more about your creativity coaching. And I was going to ask you what led to becoming, what led you, but what led you to become a creativity coach. But I actually feel like we've kind of covered that. You know, you uh, grew up in a very supportive household. You've gone through uh, learning more about yourself through the creative process. But is there any more you'd like to add to that about what led you to this, to this next stage of your life? Honestly, it was honest. I feel like 2015 was such an impactful year for me Mm. and losing my dad and, and having to find support that was even more than just the people around me because they were going through so much too. So I actually, I worked with a therapist for a time in there and I worked with a coach as well when I knew that I was ready to take that next step and I was in a healthy enough place to move forward with creating Lavender Sounds, this album that I had been dreaming about forever. Mm. Um, And I just, I had a lot of blocks around perfectionism I wanted it to come out perfect the first time and don't you dare see me trying like don't you dare see me struggling with this like I want it to be the highest vision possible the first time and I think going through an experience that's really life-altering that shows you that we don't have forever on this planet um, it kind of gives you the right kick in the pants to reach out and get support and just do what you need to do to move through your, your blocks because we're not You know, just because I am a creativity coach does not mean that I am immune to (laughs) going through my own blocks. I go through them all the time. I think the thing is that I've learned tools to unravel them. So I was working with a coach myself and, you know, moving along this project and feeling really great about it. 
And then after our time finished up and I was well on my way to releasing this album, the coach that I was working with forwarded me uh, a training workshop and said, I feel like you would be really great in this work too. Like if you want to take a look at it, this is who I love learning from. And I took that one class and it just kind of kicked off this entire passion for me that I didn't know existed um, in helping other people feel like they can achieve their goals and dreams. I love that. You are really hitting me with the lines today, Louise. Like oh, I am, thank you. I've got to pick a quote from this, but I'm not sure I can pick just one. <laughs> like I'm not sure I can oh, pick just one. Oh, thank you. Of course. Well, and you state that your mission as a life coach is to help your clients connect with their inner creator, make their art, and express their true selves. Can you expound more on that mission? Sure thing. Yeah, I I genuinely believe that every single person is creative. It's, it's a humanity thing. It's uh, open to all. I don't think that there are creative people and then non-creative people. Like, that's just not how my brain works. And that's not how our world works at all. You look around and we use creativity for nearly everything. But I do tend to work more with people who have really big artistic goals. Mm. Um, or they're wanting to use their creativity in a major way. So it could just be somebody that is starting a business and they want to bring this vision to life. Um, for me, it's less about what you were making and more about the process and how that process to me really calls us home to ourselves and who we really are and allows us to show up in the world as we've always wanted to be. Great. Oh, here we go. Another quote. <laughs> sure. I'm going to do <laughs> No, I like that though. I think that that's a big thing is just showing up. I believe that yeah. we're always kind of gatekeeping ourselves from just showing up as our best as our best selves by constantly yeah. feeding ourselves the negativity of when I show up, what will other people think? Um, one of the oh, big yeah. things for me about doing this show was I there's going to be some people who don't like it. There are going to be some people who don't support it. But I, I want to keep showing up for myself and I want to keep showing up for the women who I want to highlight on the show. Mm. And I there's some times when I'm not even sure where I'm headed with it. You know, as I talk to various people on the show, one thing that uh, you all have shared is. Uh, a focus and like an end goal on things. And sometimes I'm not sure that I'm there, but I think that the process of speaking with you, you all and, and being encouraged by you yeah. all week to week is truly what keeps me motivated. And so even if I'm not sure, sometimes I still want to show up, you know, and I think that I would uh -huh. encourage our listeners just to show up for yourself. Like, um, and I yeah. think that that's also what you're often doing for your clients. Yeah, and giving them accountability to do that because yes. sometimes we can we can say to ourselves like, "Oh, I really want to do this," but if if no one's waiting on you to do that, then chances are that fear might come up and it might push it back down again. And that's I think true. that that's so sad. You know, I've always loved that quote, like, "Don't die with the music in you." Mm. Um, and I want people to experience life in in the fullest form that they can. And I think expressing what we came here to express or creating what we came here to create whether that's like this beautiful podcast like you've done Sierra with oh, this that's wonderful community <laughs> I mean no but it's the truth like it's it's a community that you're creating around this and encouraging um people you know fellow fellow women <laughs> to, <laughs> to get out there and do their thing and be seen that way like it doesn't it doesn't even matter what we're making at that point it just matters that we're 
being true to what we want to see in the world and what we, what colors we want to throw on this canvas of life. You know, I truly believe that most everybody has something inside of them that's pulling at them that they want to do. And it's just such a sad thought to me that they may not do it because of fear or perfectionism or caring too much what other people think. You know, these blocks can get to us all. And I just want to help people move through them. I like that. And I do believe more than anything, people do need that accountability and someone to look at them and tell them what you've been through is okay, but staying here in this place isn't. Like, you know, you could... I think more than anything I run into just in my everyday life, people who are really struggling to take the next step in their life and you kind of run to your family or you run to your close friends and you want them to give you that encouragement, but they just want you to be better because they loved you as who you were when you were at a good point in your life in some way. And if certainly they loved you at your lowest too, but they want you to be better because they know once you're better, you're happy going to an outside source and having someone who doesn't know you as someone you may have been or someone who, uh, an, an, an objective observer of your life, shall we say to be able to look at your life without expectation and just say, I just want you to be better and not for any underlying reason other than the fact that you've come to me and you've asked me for this help and I want to give it. I believe that's what makes things like therapy so important. That's what makes things like um, creativity and life coaching so important. Um, You know, in Kira's episode, we talked about the difference between going to a therapist and finding a life coach or a creativity Mm -hmm. coach and taking those steps and just really having someone to hold you accountable. Accountability. Yeah, and bringing it out of of you too. So Mm -hmm. I think that one of the biggest parts about coaching that I love so much, um, that sets itself apart from maybe just having a mentor that is telling you like, Oh, I think you should do this, or Mm -hmm. I see this for you is that a coach is going to sit there and ask you questions to pull it out of you. And, you know, that's a, that's a unique process that I don't think a lot of people realize is behind coaching. Um, is that it's not really, the way that I see it, Sierra, is it's not really my job to tell anyone how they should live their lives or how they should make their art or how they should do what they want to do. It's more of a process and a mirror that I hold up that I pull out of them and I let them tell me where they want to go with their, their lives or their art, okay. you know, where they want to be. And then I hold them accountable to their vision and okay. I hold them accountable to what they want to do with it. Because I think for me, um, I really struggled sometimes to find my own voice and I always felt like I had to look a certain way be a certain way to fit in with the norms of what the music industry is especially like there's there's just so many horrible harmful narratives out there about what you have to be to be a successful musician and what you have to do to get there and I think being able to shed those those limiting beliefs and those lies that we tell ourselves that hold us back was a huge part of coaching for me. And it came through a process of somebody else just holding up a mirror and saying, well, if this fear didn't exist, what would you do? You know, if you could not fear being, you know, someone who's a curvier body up there performing, what would you do? Mm-hmm. If you didn't have the fear of turning 30 and still doing music, what would you do? 
or who can you help by showing up with those fears and doing it anyway? Yes. I like that question even better than the first one. Like, I yeah. like that one even better is because you never, you never know who you inspire. You mentioned previously when you were talking about an artist you would like to collaborate with and you mentioned Lizzo as a, yes. I, I have to admit her music isn't some of my favorite music, but who she is is some of, my favorite. Yeah. I, I like that she's putting that into the world. And more than it's anything, energy, yeah. yes, it's the unapologetic focus on not focusing on what other people think. Like, I, I think that there's a part of us that almost feels like we owe other people that concern about their feelings. And I, I think the older that I get, and I know you mentioned turning 30 and you know, it's just like uh, there's something about turning 30 that just even online recently, I've seen a lot of memes where it's like I think the kids who are, in, uh, are 2001 and 2000 or, or excuse me, <laughs> 1992 and 1991 people are turning 30 this year. And so they're all just like, oh, my God, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> and I but I have to say, I've, I've actually really enjoyed being 30. There's been a, a part of me that since I've turned 30 feels a lot less required to yeah I, I don't know I, I, I don't know I feel a lot less required to be performative about my day and day-to-day life uh, I guess and there's a, yeah. a, a and I am really searching for more authenticity in everything even if I'm going out for a meal I'm like is this my most authentic meal does this make me happy like, <laughs> I love just, that you know and it's just like if this isn't yeah. a meal that makes me happy I'll skip it you know, it's just, and I'm, I'm starting to feel that way more and more about my daily life. And in my twenties, it's, I feel like I struggled. I mean, yeah, every me day just to be okay. And there's a part of me yeah. now that's just like, you know what, if I'm not okay, that's fine, but I'm still going to wake up today. You know, like it's yeah. going to happen, you know? Yeah. I, I really relate to that fear. I, I turned 30 in this pandemic year and that <sighs> was an interesting experience. Um, and we made it so great. Like, I'm so lucky. I have a great partner and we went for a walk on the beach and we ordered takeout yes. and just, you know, we were super safe about it, but we just made it fun. We Make watched Supernatural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Something yeah. you Love enjoy doing. And I, I, I even think about when it comes to like birthday parties. I was like, I... <laughs> I feel like that was a performative thing people do is birthday parties. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> ever truly greatly enjoyed a, a huge birthday party. My favorite events have always been something. Or, uh, there may be people out there who do, excuse me. But yeah. I've always just, in, for my 30th birthday, my best friend, oh my God, I'm about to cry because it's still so great. She took me oh. to Harry Potter World uh, for oh my, my birthday. And everybody who knows me knows I am a huge Harry Potter fan. Not like, Same. like, like you, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, that's what she did for me for my 30th birthday. Aww. And I, I don't think I'll ever be able to repay her for that memory, but also just, it's what I loved it. We went and her son, Eli, my godson came with us and it was so wonderful to see him experiencing it for the first time to see, Aww. um, Emmeline, one of her cousins who was also, uh, a younger, a, a young woman experiencing, experiencing it with us for the first time. It was just everything. But it, you know, I, I, at one point I was like, Oh, maybe I need to do a big party. Have it with, you know, I was like, no, this is, this is even, this was the best. So I guess what I'm I saying is that. I'm glad to be past the performative part of my twenties and I'm excited to be part of the authentic part of my thirties. Mm, oh, I feel that so hard. And I feel like that definitely relates to creativity too because I feel like a lot of what I've done or did in my 20s was just trying to 
you know, get the gig or, you know, I, I was definitely always kind of listening to myself and what I wanted to create, mm-hmm. but in how I pursued it, I felt like I should do certain things to be a real musician, quote unquote. <laughs> like if I didn't have a label, then was I a real musician? Yeah. Or if I haven't sold X amount of albums, which who, who the heck even sells albums anymore? Like we're streaming. So, <laughs> But that goes <laughs> back reality. to the, uh, the previous question. The internet and social media truly do mm-hmm. make a marketplace for people and smaller indie artists. They, it does. It makes it possible. Yeah. It allows us to rip off all of the things that are the norms of what we should do to be mainstream or quote unquote, or, you know, it, it allows us just to show up in our weirdness too, I think. <laughs> and I, I love that. Yeah. There's, there's a niche out there for pretty much anyone. I think that um, learning how to just throw all of these ideas of what something should look like by the wayside and let yourself show up as you are, that's been a huge lesson for me this year, and it's not an easy one. I think especially for women, it's a tough one mm-hmm. um, because we really are raised in a way that makes us want to seek that approval. Absolutely. And when we don't find it, it's so discouraging, and it makes us feel very purposeless and like we are not on the right path. But I think that's the cool thing about 30s is that we are <laughs> like, I don't even care about your path. Like, Absolutely. I'm on my own path now. That's a whole word, Louise. <laughs> that's a whole word. Yeah. And Louise... <laughs> I want you to tell me what's next for you. We've got your music out. We're doing the creativity coaching. What is the next step for you? For me, I am just diving into a new challenge. I want to learn how to produce music um, and record myself better because that's something that not enough women are doing. You know, we have, I can't remember the exact figure, but there's a smaller percentage of female producers out there then there are even female songwriters and the percentage of the people in the industry that are female songwriters is already way too small, in my opinion. Um, And I just want to set an example for people behind me too, that they can take on this challenge and do it. Because I have a lot of, um, you know, women friends who are musicians and we always go to other people and we're like, oh, how do I do this recording thing? Like we kind of... um, we lean into other people's expertise on it mm-hmm. while not realizing that we're so fortunate to live in a time where we can easily cultivate this ourselves. And I've just felt so inspired, I think, this past year when I couldn't really go into studios and I couldn't really book in with people because it's not safe for us to Certainly. do that. Um, it's just inspired me to, to look at my skill set and go, okay, well, what do I want to learn now? And it's scary and challenging, but I, I'm definitely excited to take that on um, and see what I can make. Well, I'm excited to follow your path on that and learn more about it <laughs> and you. to be able to share when you do reach that goal with other local women here about how to do so. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Once you get thank that up you. and going, we've got to let the local women know. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd love to. And I'd love to encourage them to do to do more for themselves, too. You know, right now it's just I'm at a garage band level. That's where we're functioning. <laughs> but so I'm, I'm just having fun learning. And I think that it's really important to constantly challenge yourself and see where, you know, yourself is saying, oh, well, no, I don't think I could. And then, you know, 
smashing through that anyways. <laughs> Luis, I have absolutely loved this conversation with you. It's been so Same. engaging. It's been, I love the vulnerability of it, the authenticity Thank of you. it. And I want to make sure that our listeners can connect with you. Can you tell them more about where to find you online and where to listen to your sure. music and your creativity coaching? Thank you so much for having me, Sierra. This is just the best part of my day. Like, I love talking to you <laughs> so much. Thank you so much um, for being here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, you can find me at my online hub, which is louisewarrenmusic.com. Absolutely. Um, and then I just launched a Patreon. Uh, there's not a lot of people in there yet, but I'd love to have you guys in there if you want to just follow my journey with producing and songwriting and creating in general. Um, it's patreon.com slash Louise music. Wonderful. Louise, thank you so much. And you all, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm actually going to go out with you, you on the show with me today, Louise. Usually I disconnect and awesome. then we go out, but I'm actually going to go out with you on the show because I really want to play, uh, again, play a little bit of your music on the outtake. I'm going to play you. through the song, let them enjoy. And uh, Louise, thank you so much for joining me. This was a wonderful walk down memory lane, but it was also an exciting conversation with a friend. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Sarah. Of course. You guys, thank you so much for listening to The Local Woman and enjoy the wonderful sounds of Louise Warren as we exit. I am party in your hand. My heart is swaying under this moonlight. Wanting you as my man.